Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, it's Connie, and welcome to Candles to My Cake, a birthday podcast. Join me for conversation with the people that light up my life. So now Layborn, welcome to the Candles to My Cake podcast. <laughs> I almost couldn't hear you, but she was yelling and doing her little dance because, you know, we get so excited. <laughs> so let me introduce you to the world in case they don't know who Sana is. Sana is one of my best friends of all time. We met back in college in 2000 one or two, we became friends. And we've just been friends since. We've traveled the world together. We've been through every challenge that life could hold together since college. (laughs) And she is just a joy in who she is and her vibrant spirit. But she's resilient. She's confident. She's fun. She's courageous. And she just lights up the room when she walks in it. And so I've been blessed to know her all these years. But more than all of those great things. She has an incredible sense of humor and we could just laugh and cut up all the time. And so I just appreciate her friendship and who she is in my life. So welcome to the show, Sana. Thank you, thank you. I receive all of it. I receive all of it. What are you doing? Um, I'm talking to you. (laughs) I'm sitting on my couch. (laughs) Sitting on the couch in your quarantine clothes. Yeah, sitting on the couch in my quarantine uniform, so some leggings and a crop top because I think I'm cute, and that's it. I'm just, you know, sitting on the couch. Awesome. <laughs> so it is my birthday podcast. Yes, so it we love be, it. It has to be. Isn't that a fun idea? It is the best idea ever. I can't even believe it. I, let's see what all these stories tell when we're all done. I may not be able to even publish it. <laughs> no, those are the ones you had to publish. People want to know. Oh my goodness, they think they want to know. So <laughs> we'll start with the birthday questions. You get to answer. What is one word that describes me? Ooh, what is one word that describes you? Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is why I can't see. This is it. This this is public. <laughs> Um, I was going to say dedicated, but then the next word that came to my mind was stubborn. And that's why I started laughing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. See, this is why I have no friends. I have no friends. 
Tell me why I'm stubborn. Okay, I'll take it. I'm Tell ready. you why you're stubborn? I mean, really, does that need an explanation? Oh, man. <laughs> I know, but I'm stubborn in a good way too, right? See, why did you automatically think it was a bad thing? Oh, ooh, that's good. See, See? Mm-hmm. these negative connotations. See, I said dedicated and stubborn, and you immediately went to stubborn. You could have asked me to say more about dedicated. Oh, because you changed your mind. You only had like one word. Oh, I had a lot of words. So. <laughs> what are they? Let, let's go for it. Let's go. <laughs> I had a lot of words. I was going to say, uh, ooh, top three. Okay dependable is definitely in the top three i think stubborn still gets a place (laughs) in there and then i'm gonna swap out my other word and i'm gonna say hungry hungry (laughs) and that means two things one because love to eat and cook together yes and two hungry about our goals Yes, absolutely. Yes. See, you knew exactly what I meant. So we've been friends for a long, long time, our whole adult lives at this point. What are some of your favorite memories, some of the things that we've done, anything? I'm going to leave it open to you. Let you talk about our friendship. Okay. Oh, my goodness. All right. So my favorite memories, well... Uh, my favorite memory is, no, I'll give you two favorite memories. So remember when me, you, and Cynthia worked a part-time job at Checkers? <laughs> that is one of my favorite memories. Because, <laughs> you know, I love their seasoned fries, and they're so good. And I think we ate up all the profits. And I also love when they rolled out the um, the lattas, the pumpkin, the pumpkin spice lattas. <laughs> Okay, for our listeners, we never worked at Checkers, but sometimes we create these memories that we're going to use when we're old and act like we did these things, because Checkers was a staple, and then they always had their signs spelled wrong where we were, so instead of latte, it was spelled lotta. Lotta. We worked at Checkers, but not really. We worked at Checkers, but you know what? It is so true. Like when you get older, you're not going to know what's real and what's not. So if you just embellish these memories and then when you get older, you're like, man, I did all the things I ever wanted to do. And it was so amazing. And you won't, you won't know that it's not true. <laughs> I'm so, I mean, what, what, what's, what difference does it make? Okay. So that's one of my favorite memories. And then, um, another fun. Another memory, I'm not going to say it's a favorite, but an, a memory that is forever etched into my mind. And you already know where I'm going through, going with this. And I don't care because you don't edit it out either. Was when you had me and Cynthia up until God knows when working on the seated chart <laughs> for your wedding. Oh, man. And, we tried to tell you, like, you don't need a seating chart. Like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. But because you are stubborn, you were like, no, we have to do it. We have to get it right. Da, 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 da. Blah, 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 blah. Y'all, we were up all night rearranging these seats. And then when the sun was coming up, Connie says, you know what? We don't have to have a seating chart. Said, oh, no. You're going to get this seating chart. These people are going to be sitting where we tell them to sit. No. And there was just a bed full of name cards. 
all 350 of them. Ooh, oh my goodness. I will just say this. Unless you are having a small wedding, you do not need a seating chart. Like you can have little name cards and people can pick them up. So, you know, it's only those people are in the, the space, but you don't need assigned seats. You just have your table for your two families or whatever. And they got to sit next to the cousin they don't like. And everybody else, you're on your own. Make a friend. Make a friend in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely that was the funniest night ever. You, Tabitha, Tamara, Cynthia, <laughs> my mom, my aunt, everybody wanted to kill me. But I'm like, huh, I got a wedding tomorrow. I <laughs> See you guys later. Right, exactly. We're just like, you know what? That's okay. All right. All right. You know, I, I just out of protest will get married just so that you and Cynthia can do all these things and I'm going to put y'all to work. So yes. just let y'all know. We, we were the best hostesses ever. Yes, we always are. We always are. Because we get stuff done and we tell people what to do and they do it. <laughs> They're a little afraid. <laughs> They're like, they're small, but they're mighty. Yes. All right. Yes. So, Sana, over our friendship, are there any lessons that you've learned from me? Oh, oh my goodness. There's like 10 billion lessons that I've learned from you. Um, okay, but let me distill them down. Okay, what lessons have I learned from you? Um, I have learned definitely to be a friendly person. You're very, you are a very friendly person. And, and by that, I don't just mean like, you know, polite. I mean, like you are, you genuinely can make people feel welcome and you're genu genuinely helpful to people. And I think that's a beautiful trait to have. I think as with anything, it can go too extreme and then you forget to um, do give that same to yourself. But I think in general that it is a beautiful characteristic to have that selflessness, right, along those lines. I think another something else that I have learned from you is definitely um, grace to ourselves, to give ourselves that same grace that we extend to others, to be gentle with ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we are just people doing our best, and sometimes our best isn't good enough. <laughs> yes, see, I told you, it's not always good enough. Not always good enough. But that's all right. It's all right. For everybody listening, I used to think that if you gave your best, that that means it's good enough. And I do no, I no longer believe that it's true. I believe that if you give your best and it's not good enough, you have to accept that and move on. Like you just have to accept that it's not good enough. And that's okay. That's okay. Yes. Yes. So those are two amazing life lessons from Connor. Yes, we love it. <laughs> so a little bit about you. I know um, our listeners have no idea who you are, what you do, but yes. you're a doctor of sociology yes. and you do work um, at the University of Memphis and through some yes. other organizations that you're a part of. Yes. Why? I, what I want to talk about really is two things. One, the setbacks that you had to even overcome to get to where you are in what you're doing now because mm -hmm. you were a beast to get your goals accomplished. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And two, what are the current projects you're working on and how do you hope they impact society as a greater whole? 
Ooh, those are really good questions. Okay, so how, wait, so how did I get to where I am now professionally? Mm-hmm. Um, by the grace of God. <laughs> by the grace of God, but also um, uh, deciding, making a hard decision. I will say that as well. So I say by the grace of God, because I do in fact believe that getting accepted into grad school after not getting accepted for three years in a row and after having a lot of different like career detours, I do believe that getting accepted into grad school was a gift from God who was like, I'm going to give you something that I know that you have always wanted. Um, But the reason why I say it was also like a hard decision, because at that particular time, I was also um, had transitioned into blogging full time and was Mm -hmm. actually making money from that. And it was right at that cusp of when blogging was really becoming like a profession. So that was a hard decision, even though God was like, I'm giving you this thing that you've always wanted. But I was also like, I also have this totally other thing that I really love that, you know, I could really enjoy doing. So it was like, okay, which one, you know, do I choose? And I I don't really think I could have gone wrong either way, but it was still um, a difficult decision. And also, I will say that with that, in my first year when I was in grad school, I really did think about it a lot like dang I could be blogging right now I really do believe I would have made a career or you know whatever been able to sustain myself off of that money and when I look at other people who we were all blogging at that same time like they are full-time bloggers now Mm -hmm. because we were doing it right at that beginning stage um so in a certain way I did feel like I was missing out or I did feel some regret Um, but I also knew that if I was going to do grad school that like, you can't be of two minds. So Mm -hmm. I completely quit blogging because I'm sure people are like, oh, well, you could have done both. No, when I say I was like all in, I was like all in, that was like a job for me, the amount of time, money, energy, resources that I was putting into it. And I was like, which one you going to do? You either all in either way. So you got to pick one. So that's like the Cliff's Notes of Cliff's Notes version (laughs) of how I got where I am now. But it also reminds me of one of the characteristics that I love about you most is that whatever you're doing at the moment, you're all in. Oh, yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, you either give it everything you have or nothing at all. And I think that's an important quality because sometimes we do too many things if we don't give enough attention to anything. Mm. you can do many things, but are you willing to show up and give your best at every single thing? And I think you've been a master at that. And that's why you're able to do so many different things simultaneously at this point. Mm, Thank you. You're welcome. So in addition to the million other projects you're working on, other podcasts, other organizations, you're also working on a book for yourself. Yes. Um, Tell us about it. Yes. So I'm so excited about this book. Um, This book is built on my dissertation research. So for my dissertation, um, I was examining Korean adoptee identity. So racial identity, ethnic identity, but also how Korean adoptees were coming to a politicized identity as adoptees, as immigrants, um, as, you know, racialized minorities. Um, So 
I am in the process of finishing the book manuscript. Like literally as we speak, it should be done in the next couple of weeks. And then I'll send it out to publishers. And then soon y'all will see that I got a book contract and y'all can buy my book. <laughs> Everybody buy Sanaa's book. I will right. send you a link when it comes out. Yes, buy the book. But the, one of the biggest um, parts of the book is talking about how adoptees come to this politicized identity as immigrants. So for folks who do not know, um, international adoptees did not always automatically receive U.S. citizenship. So even though they were adopted by American families, you know, lived here, all that stuff, their adoption was legal. Um, the citizenship was not necessarily a part of that. Like no one was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, there's now laws now that do grant automatic citizenship, but for a lot of adoptees who were adopted before that law went into place, they didn't have citizenship and their parents may not have known that they didn't have citizenship. And now they're adults who are undocumented immigrants <laughs> and Ooh. facing deportation. <laughs> yeah. It gives so, me anxiety just thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So part of my book is really um, speaking with adoptees on their own citizenship status and how, especially um, once Trump was elected, how that really made people think about their own status differently. So for adoptees, often we don't think of ourselves as immigrants, right? That adoptee narrative is very separate from the immigrant narrative. But now we're in a context where it's like, you were not born here. Guess what? You are an immigrant, whether you feel like one, whether you are part of immigrant communities, it doesn't matter. Like, this is how the state looks at you. And by the way, you have no paperwork certifying that you are here legally, right? And in fact, you are here illegally without that paperwork. Right. (laughs) So it's just it's a weird situation for people to be in who have never thought of themselves in that way and who really have been raised to believe in like this American dream, right? And this, you know, belonging in America. So I think the really exciting part of my book is learning how people come to this new politicized and new racialized identity and then what they are doing about it, right? So what is the advocacy that they're involved in? What is the change that they're trying to see? um, And what this might mean for, you know, their future individually, but then our futures collectively um, thinking about migrants who are undocumented for a lot of different reasons. It's big stuff. And it's a lot of us in the world right now who don't even understand that side of the argument that haven't even been addressed to you. You're speaking a foreign language to me before I knew you, I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I love that your book is going to give that voice to so many people who don't have it. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Important work that you're doing. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so now I have two more questions for you. Okay. The first one is, what is the biggest challenge that you feel that you've had to overcome in your life? Oh, the biggest challenge. Ah, I think if I had to encapsulate it under an umbrella, (laughs) the biggest challenge that I've had to, what did you say, overcome? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is um, the biggest challenge I've had to overcome is unlearning all the lies and falsehoods that I believed. Mm. 
And I mean, that comes in a lot of different ways. <laughs> That's why I said, let me give one big umbrella right. to encapsulate it all. And I mean, I think that goes as far as like lies that I believed about like why I was giving up for adoption, um, lies that I believed about what it means to be a woman in society, what it means to be an Asian woman in society, lies that I believed um, about my own worthiness, right? Uh, my own value. Um, I said worthiness, worth worthiness. Yeah, both of those, <laughs> both of those. Um, so just just um, a not having the right view of myself, and that can be for a lot of different reasons. For messages from society, messages from family, you know, mm-hmm. just messages that I just told myself, you know, um, just from a lot of different sources. But just unlearning all those things and thinking about new possibilities um, for who I am. And then who I am in this world. Deep. Yeah. Last question. <laughs> this is a question that Oprah asked all her guests in her magazine, on the shows, lots of people. This question has been asked too. So now, what do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? Um, what I know for sure is that Being hungry is not a good state to be in, regardless of the decisions that you're trying to make. So eat something first. (laughs) Especially when it's a grocery store. (laughs) Sometimes you think you're stressed, but you're not. You're just hungry. (laughs) Sometimes you think you're upset, but you're not. You're just hungry. Sometimes you think you want to buy everything, but you, you, you are just hungry. Now you better eat something before you go to the grocery store. (laughs) Eat a snack and come back tomorrow. Well, thank (laughs) you so much for joining me on this podcast. I just love you so much. And I'm just so glad that you took the time to do this today. Of course. Thank you so much. I love you so much. You have been a shining light in my life and like a little lighthouse. You know, just there, grounded. Well, thank you, dear. Ditto, my friend. I'll see you later. See ya. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Candles to My Cake, a birthday podcast by Connie Marie. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.